0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we give an update on how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting the markets and client investments, as well as give some insight into the art of trading investments in volatile financial markets with Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Jean Paul Yeagers, Head of Asset Allocation, and Martin Bassett. Head of Investment Dealing at Barclays UK. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. This week, I'm joined by two experts. The first is Jean Paul Yeagers, Head of Asset Allocation, and he's back again to help us make sense of, of what's happening in the financial markets and in our client portfolios and funds. The additional expert is Martin Bassett, Head of Investment Dealing at Barclays UK. And he's going to help um, provide some insights into the art of trading and investments amidst the turbulence that obviously we've we've been been experiencing over the last few weeks in financial markets. So starting off with you, JP, if I may, these are obviously unprecedented times with with lockdowns and and restrictions imposed on on us by, by governments and also business closures. How are you and the team navigating this and, and what are the things that you're looking at at the moment?
1: Hello, Nikki. That's, that's in, indeed true. So we have seen extreme circumstances and investors quickly had to read up on pandemics and, and make judgment on any economic impacts. Of course, as, as almost all economies are in lockdown at the same time, it creates a massive blow to the economy where essentially the length of the lockdown um, of this process is key. So on one hand, if it's short-lived, it's likely manageable. The longer it takes, the more lasting damage will happen to the economy. At the same time, we have seen governments, central banks, announce very sizable measures in an attempt to cushion this blow to the economy. So for us, what we're monitoring is obviously developments on the various statistics. So markets have been... Um, yeah, very obsessed by all the new information coming in on the coronavirus, but also markets are forward-looking. So what matters for financial markets is where we are, say, in six months' time. There's still a lot that we don't know. So is the risk of a secondary flare-up? What, what's exactly happening with immunity? Another point we're looking at is what's reflected in asset prices. So we've seen massive garations uh, in, in the past few weeks and months. And often at these times, it's where you see investor sentiment, so that's the optimism or the pessimism reflected in asset prices, tend to overshoot either way. So that's something we're closely monitoring as well. Another point we're monitoring is policy responses. So we've seen in the past, uh, policy intervention has been very successful into stem routes in financial markets. And what we have seen now in terms of size and timing so far has been enormous and, and, and very swift. Um, and, and also if this takes longer, we would start to expect more announcement coming in if this takes longer.
0: Yeah, and you, and you mentioned um, sort of central bank activity there. We've had a few central bank meetings over over the last week or so. Um, or, or over the last few days, we, we've seen the US Federal Reserve, uh, the European Central Bank and, and the Bank of Japan. Anything that you or the team picked up that was of special interest coming from those meeting outputs? Uh,
1: well, as, as yeah, as you just mentioned, we have already seen a lot of announcements from central banks mm. already. So a lot of central banks have been lowering interest rates across the globe. And most Western central banks already restarted QE. So that means asset purchases. Um, where we have seen that central banks have been pushing new boundaries. So we've seen the ECB is now buying more Italian bonds. We've seen that the Fed is now even buying high-yield bonds. This week, in particular, what we've seen is that on Monday, the Bank of Japan announced that they are buying government bonds in unlimited quantity. So that's that's the first. What we've seen is that yesterday, the Federal Reserve reiterated that they can do more if need be. And today we just had the ECB and they uh, lowering the cost on emergency loans again, improving the liquidity support. So we see that central bank's uh, action is starting to blur the boundaries and more and more veering into uh, fiscal uh, territory as well. This is an environment where investors continually adjust their portfolios and and yeah, based on these new developments and new announcements. Yeah,
0: okay. And and, and thanks for that, JP. So, so turning to you, Martin, I, I mentioned that the at the start of, of the podcast, that you're the Head of Investment Dealing. Um, but can you just give us a brief explanation of what that actually means? What, what do you and the
2: team do? Sure, Nikki. Um So my team consists of 15 people. Um, we collectively have over 200 uh, years' experience. And we're responsible for the market-side execution of trades on behalf of various businesses across Barclays, UK, one of the biggest areas we support, which I'm sure most people have heard of, is Smart Investor um, and also the discretionary portfolio management team as well.
0: Okay. And so from a, from a dealing point of view, um, have your team had to make many changes to the way they work during this lockdown situation?
2: Absolutely. Um, thankfully, we've reacted pretty quickly to the situation we're faced with. Um, and initially in mid-March, we moved the team to a split site solution. Which lasted for ten days, um, it felt longer <laughs> and before we moved to full working from home solution, which we now have been doing for the past four to five weeks.
0: And and thankfully everyone's well and, and doing okay.
2: Thankfully, yes. Yes. We've been very fortunate that way.
0: Great. So those those steps um steps really helped there. And and so you know, given, given the, um, the type of work that you guys do, what, what challenges has this new way of working presented to you?
2: Okay, so I think it's fair to say that the success of most teams, and we're no different, is down to communication. Um, so not sitting beside each other in a, is a very different way of working. To provide a bit of context and detail around that, our normal office setup has each dealer having between four and six monitors. So having only two 27-inch monitors each has meant the team has had to quickly adapt to make sure they can access all the applications that they need to, um, but on a reduced screen setup. On top of that, um, the need to have voice recording in place has meant the full dealing team had to be equipped with recordable mobiles and balance the use of chat rooms and they So you know, very different to what what we're used to in in an office environment. Um, I think it's fair to say that, despite um, there being some practical challenges to overcome, um, overall we've coped really well, and our technology teams have done us proud in helping us move so seamlessly um, to work from a home environment. Um, it's also worth noting that you know some of the team have partners who are are frontline medical staff, and so. You know they've needed to balance work with childcare and, and other family commitments.
0: Wow, so a real a real team effort, not not just as you say, technology and the dealing team, but um, you know across families and and partners, etc. So great great to hear. And we've been talking a lot over over the podcast in recent weeks around the volatility of markets. But can you just shed a bit of light for our subscribers and listeners around? how you've seen uh, the volumes of trading, uh, of dealing, um, being impacted by, by the COVID-19 situation. And, and also, how have you seen um, market participants' trading behaviour changing and our clients' behaviour changing?
2: Sure. Um, so I'm going to concentrate on the smart investor side of the business. So we've seen record volumes um, on the smart investor platform with the number of trades three to four times the normal daily average that we see. Um, unsurprisingly, circa 50% of trades have been in stocks within the FTSE 100. Um, financial stocks have been heavily traded, with share prices significantly impacted by the crisis. And of course, many stocks, as we all know, have seen dividends being cancelled. Um, in addition to this, um, you know, oil majors have also been heavily traded, as the likes of Royal Dutch Shell and BP were hit by the all-encompassing pandemic and price war um, on oil. Um, as well as most recently the negative uh, price stories of of oil, which we've obviously not seen before. Um, Moving on into the ETF space, so, you know, index trackers. So these are funds that track the likes of the FTSE 100 index. You know, they've provided cost-efficient index exposure from issuers such as iShares and Vanguard, and they've proved to be incredibly popular for clients. And if we move to the micro-cap space for, for even the more adventurous. You know, we've witnessed heavy day trading in companies who are you know, involved, as you can imagine, in selling diagnostic products to help support the production of COVID-19 test kits. So there's some real you know, topical uh, areas that clients are looking to invest. Away from equities um, and ETFs, we've, we've seen clients shift their focus from selling corporate debt to safer havens of sovereign debt. But it's worth mentioning that overall, we've seen a huge shift to the buy side with 70% of trades and um, seeing clients buying with a peak of 78% of buys on, on a single day. These are levels we've never experienced before, um, but hugely encouraging as well.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that really does, does bring it to life. Um, and, and I should just mention, you know, where where you talk about smart investor um, that's our uh, execution dealing platform for for clients that that want to make their own investment decisions and can execute on on the platform. And and just just speaking of the platform and and the various systems that that you use, you mentioned about the monitors, etc. But how have those various systems handled all this extra volume? Um, you know, how, how have you coped from that perspective?
2: I mean, I think it, I think it's fair to say that none of us uh, sadly have a crystal ball and nobody could ever have predicted the, the speed of the COVID-19 uh, impacting the whole world. Um, but what we're delighted to have seen is the resiliency of our platform, Nikki, in handling the various spikes in volume. You know, Over the last few years, we've worked really hard on our execution capability, and I've stress tested the platform, but actually seeing firsthand the positive results of the changes we've made um, has been particularly pleasing during these times. One area we're focused on is the need to ensure that we don't have an unhealthy reliance on just one execution model or one execution venue. And with that in mind, you know, our partnership with Barclays Investment Bank, alongside our strong counterparty relationships, you know, to leverage the smart order router technology. This allows us access to so many other venues. So that enhances our price discovery model across multiple venues. And has allowed clients to not only benefit from the quality of the execution, um, but also maintain amazing levels of, of automation. You know, this functionality is where we believe um, it differentiates us from our competitors in the retail space, and it allows us to pass on greater price improvements to our clients, and also deliver an impressive and consistent automation level, which we've seen it, you know, consistently ninety-eight percent throughout these. And volatile times, and and finally one additional and but really important point to highlight is that we've provided clients with a truly digital experience, with just less than two percent of trades being placed via the telephone. So this is helping clients being able to self-service themselves online. You know during these times of market volatility,
0: that's that's really great to hear. And I suppose I suppose what what that says to me is. Um, it sounds like a lot of work that that you and the team have done, um, really to sort of you know keep keep um, reinforcing fixing the roof while the sun was shining, and, and therefore when you know when we have had this, as you say, unexpected but but really quite impactful trading environment, um, you, you had the bandwidth to cope with that, which which is great to hear. And and if you don't mind me sounding a little bit cheeky, I know I know. You know, career wise, you've been around the block a bit, um, you're very experienced. Um, and, you know, clearly, you've also experienced other significant market events um, during during your your time as a as a dealer. Um, you know, I'm thinking back to the 2008 financial crisis, you um, and I mean, I find this hard to believe given how young you look. Um, the listeners will have to take my word for this, but but the nineteen eighty seven crash as well. Um, what, what, if anything is different in the way that markets have dealt from what you've seen um, during this particular crisis?
2: Obviously, Nikki, your your glasses need slightly adjusted if, um, if that's what you think. But uh, yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely correct. I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not Methuselah, but going back to eighty seven, I was a. Uh, a fresh-faced uh, 19-year-old when I started in, in, in 86, and in 87 was totally different. And this is probably very foreign to the younger listeners when computers weren't even introduced. Um, so we'd, we'd only just had computers in, in 86, and moving into 87, um, we, we experienced, obviously, the crash. And there was no automated trading capability. Um, You know, everything was done face-to-face or between brokers and market makers over a telephone. That seems like a lifetime ago and uh, (laughs) probably is, to be fair. Um, Obviously, sharp market moves aren't new to us, and we've experienced them many times before. But it's the ferocity and the longevity of this which seems to make it different. You know, this scenario appears more aligned um, to what JP was saying earlier, to 2008, you know, with the size of the swings and the depth of impact. You know, back in 2008, we witnessed persistent selling. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, this is totally different. We've witnessed a really strong bias to the buy side from our retail client base, um, which suggests that clients are showing real courage in the face of some market fear.
1: And and, 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 and following up from, from what Martin was just saying, he, developments of the investment environment has been so quick. So, for example, 10 years ago, it would have been unthinkable that central banks would be buying in unlimited quantity government bonds. If we just wind back 20 years ago, it would have been unthinkable you go through an investment cycle without inflation. And, in, and, and most central banks got inflation targets in the 90s. So we see how quickly things have changed, and we often take it for granted that the current environment has been there for a while. But actually, a lot of things have been innovating just over the past few decades, and that makes every cycle and every crisis, in some sense, quite unique.
0: Yeah, but and um, but good good to hear. Obviously, some lessons have been learned and improvements made. Um, so, so Martin, can you just you talked about you know, the operational resilience um and and the changes that have meant that, that you've been able to to deal you know very effectively during during this this volatile period but can you just give give some kind of insight around well you know where you have seen difficulties in in navigating that market volatility what kind of what kind of areas have those been in?
2: Sure. I, I think Nikki is fair to say that um you know I'll start by framing this. We we all know that we've experienced you know, are continuing to experience unprecedented times. And therefore, some of the problems we've faced we've never seen before. You know, the the breakneck speed at which share prices have moved has proved to be a major challenge across the marketplace, you know, prompting the likes of circuit breakers to kick in that obviously stops, um, stops trading for a period of time to allow prices to settle down. And spreads have widened in response to significant market shifts. And this has been especially true in, in ETFs. You know, many of these instruments are complex and especially sensitive to underlying indexes, asset, or commodity shifts. And to address um, some of these major concerns that we saw, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, when spreads were wide, you know, the London Stock Exchange had to introduce maximum uh, spread rules. You know, they had to put a five percent maximum spread rule in place across all exchange traded products, and that was something that we'd we've not witnessed um, recently. On a similar vein, we experienced problems in trading um, retail bonds that are listed on the London Stock Exchange. You know, and due to the speed and size of market drops, some of the counterparties were, were unable to, to make prices, which, which caused us some problems and concern that, um, at certain periods. It's worth noting that the LSE rules, you know, there are rules in place and they determine that counterparties um, are required to make a two-way price uh, and a, a minimum of 25,000 shares in, in these instruments. And, you know, the, the LSE had to work quickly with the counterparties to reduce these size restrictions. Um, and they eventually agreed that uh, reducing the restriction from 25,000 to 10,000. But even then, we still saw some spreads of, you know, of up to 10 pounds at times on certain instruments. Um, another key point to note is, um, which I think people might, and not quite realise is, while I'm talking about our team having to move to a working from home environment, all other market participants have had to change their working arrangements, you know, either working from home or working from another split site arrangement. And this, of course, has resulted in a reduction in the service from these counterparties. Everybody's done an amazing job which in turn has impacted the speed and efficiency of our execution capabilities. So overall, I have to say though, that despite these challenging circumstances, everyone has worked incredibly well to ensure that trading activity um, across the entire industry has been managed as professionally as possible.
0: That's great to hear. And so I guess, you know, as, as, a, as a final thought, Martin, what have you learned from, from the recent weeks?
2: Many things. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that I, I've, I've learned the, the importance of having a hugely experienced and flexible dealing team. Um, the benefit of having a resilient and market-leading um, execution platform um and state in the obvious, but an incredible technology um at our fingertips, because without that you know we we wouldn't have been able to work from home um and we've also had fantastic partnership with our counterparties, an amazing teamwork that's allowed us to all pull together to continue to deliver exceptional experience to our client base. That's
1: great. And JP, any final thoughts from you today? Well, in, in, in times like these, in these unusual times, it also speeds up some processes. So think, for example, switching from physical money into digital money. And undoubtedly, these times will have lasting impacts, Um for now, we continue to focus on the investments for our clients and closely monitor uh, the investment conditions.
0: Very good. Um, well, we're, we're, we're lucky to have um, experts such as you guys to help us steer, steer through this. But um, thank you very much to our listeners and subscribers. And we'll pick up with you again next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.